You've heard of the National Disability Insurance Scheme, but how much do you know about it? Find out what it means, how it works, and how to apply for access at Carers Queensland's free workshop, Understanding the NDIS. Find out more, check for events coming up near you, and book your spot online at carersqld.com.au. You can also call us on 1300 636. Choice and Control, a podcast celebrating people with disability. Brought to you by Carers Queensland, NDIS Local Area Coordination Partner in the Community. The key to being more inclusive is to listen. If you're not sure whether your sport, your event, your facilities are accessible to people with disability, ask and be prepared to act on what they tell you. It's tempting to think of accessibility in terms of the big ticket items, like getting a grant to build a ramp to the clubhouse. But it could be as simple as an attitude change and a welcoming smile. Later this episode, we'll meet Paralympian Ella Sabeljack. She's part of Paralympic Australia's Athlete Commission, making sure the voices of athletes with disability are heard at every level. But if you're part of a sports group or club and wondering whether you could be more inclusive, there are tools available to help. Sport Australia has an inclusive sport framework to help you assess where you are right now and figure out your next steps. I caught up with Sport Australia's Nick Abrams to find out how it works. Well, the inclusive sport framework is a it's a five step process that was created by Sport Australia to help sports and clubs to become more inclusive. So, we've got five different steps. So I might just break them down. We've got um, step one, which is analysing. Step two, which is committing. Step three, which is updating and expanding. Step four, which is communicating. And step five, which is reporting and reviewing. So I might just go through each of those briefly one by one. So step one, analyzing. That's about identifying your organization's strengths, gaps and opportunities. So looking at your strengths would include having a look at what you currently have in place to help promote diversity and inclusion. I'm looking for the gaps is more about looking at what you can still do or what you still need to do to prevent things like discrimination or exclusion. And then once those gaps are identified, um, you flip them around and you turn them into opportunities. So by filling those gaps, organizations can become more inclusive. Step two is about making a commitment. So that's about really committing your club or your sport to inclusion. So that could involve developing an inclusion statement or something similar to help demonstrate that you are, in fact, an inclusive organization and that, you know, you're making a commitment to provide a safe and welcoming environment for all of your participants. Um, Step three is about updating and expanding. So at that stage, you've got your inclusion statement, but it's about updating your policies, your codes, your procedures, your templates, and linking them to inclusion. So it's about reviewing, you know, what else your organization does and linking those things to inclusion as well. So that might uh, include things such as you know, looking at other strategies, other programs or initiatives, and linking them to your inclusion statement. Step four, that's about communication. I think clubs and sports do this quite well. Um, it's about communicating your inclusion framework and your inclusion framework to your members, to your volunteers, to the community. Um, you can do a lot of things to do this. You can hold community information sessions. You could um, create an inclusion section on your website. And you know, within that section, you can outline your inclusive policies, your codes, your strategies, your programs, anything that links back 
to inclusion. Um, if you have a club that has a newsletter, you can talk about inclusion in your newsletter. And again, it's all about letting the community within the club and the wider community know that you know you are creating a, a welcoming and uh, safe environment for people to 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 come down and and to compete and to enjoy your club and enjoy your sport. Um, step five, that's about reporting and reviewing. That's about continually reviewing and updating your inclusive practices. So you might do that quarterly, you might do that annually, um, you know, whatever works best for your club or your sport, it might be linked to your annual report or your AGM. I know that here at Sport Australia, we're constantly um, continually reviewing and updating everything that we've got up on our website um, when it comes to inclusion. And, you know, every now and then we do a bit of a refresh and make sure that we've got the um, all the latest information on there for people to access. Inclusion has so many different branches, but if we look specifically at uh, disability inclusion, what sort of things might clubs be considering? I think in the first instance, my advice would be to have a look at your club, have a look at your club facilities, see if you pick up on anything, um, any type of barriers when it comes to when it comes to physical access issues. Um, I think also having a look at how people get in touch with your club from a communication point of view. So right now I'm thinking of maybe people with a, a visual impairment or a hearing impairment, making sure that um, your club is accessible when it comes to communication. So people with you know any type of uh, visual or hearing impairment can um, get in touch. Um, I think talking to people that have a disability, whether it's within your club or outside of your club, that can be really, really helpful. Getting that expert advice, I'd say don't be afraid to do that. I think that um, somebody who might have a disability or, or a different need, um, they will be best placed to tell you, you know, what you can do to make your club more accessible, more welcoming. When you talk about disability access, a lot of people's minds go straight to the expensive infrastructure stuff like having to install ramps or uh, new toilet facilities. Do clubs worry that improving access is going to be expensive? Look, I think that's a that's a really good question. I think that's that's a big one, and um, I think it's a, definitely a barrier for clubs, and maybe even a perceived barrier. I think that um, things like ramps and lifts are fantastic, but they're really expensive. Those big ticket infrastructure items um, they can they can cost a lot, and clubs don't always have the budget for those types of things. But um, sometimes it's just about being welcoming to people with different abilities and talking to them and finding out what else you can do in the first instance without spending a lot of money. I think that when it comes to some of those more expensive infrastructure-related items, there are people that can help. I'm, you know, having a look at what's available through your local government, through your state government, through the federal government, having to always keep it on the lookout for grants. And I think clubs are really good at doing that. Uh, fundraising as well is a fantastic way. But there is a lot that you can do, you know, in the meantime, just by just by having a chat to people that might have different abilities and finding out, um, you know, what you can do in the first instance to help them access your club a bit better. That's so true. There's one example from central Queensland where there's a soccer club that was able to be more accessible for a player with low vision just by using a different coloured ball. Yep, and I've heard I've heard a lot of stories like that and, and that's the thing. In, you don't know what you don't know and sometimes that's why it's great to just get out there and to talk to people and find out you know, what are the little things that you can do. What is the value of Australian sport being more inclusive? There are so many benefits. I think we'd be here all day if I listed them all, but um, just, just to name a few, being more inclusive can help include uh, increase a club's membership, volunteer and participant base. 
Um, it can help expand sponsorship opportunities. Um, it'll help a club to develop a stronger and better connected community. It'll help contribute to the positive um, physical and mental health um, within the, the club's community and within the, the wider community as well. Um, can help strengthen the sustainability of a club and can also increase um, the community support for a club. So it's definitely a win-win. Nick, if people would like to find out more, maybe they're involved with local sports club and thinking, well, maybe this uh, inclusive sports framework is something I need to be hooking into, where's the best place to go to get some more information? Yeah, well, look, if you go to our website, which is sportaus.gov.au, which is S-P-O-R-T-A-U-S dot gov dot A-U, um, you'll be able to find all of that information. If you're looking for maximum flexibility and choice, self-managing your NDIS plan might be the right option for you. Carers Queensland's free Introduction to Self-Management workshop covers the benefits of self-managing your plan, how it works and the practical side of arranging support and managing payments. This workshop is offered in person and online. Find out more, check for events coming up near you and book your spot online at carersqld.com.au. We've heard from Sports Australia's Nick Abrams about their inclusive sport toolkit and a part of that is how important it is to be open to communication, to talk with people about what they want and what they need to be fully included. That's also a focus for one of the newest members of the Paralympic Australia Athlete Commission. The Commission exists to help Paralympic Australia stay engaged and connected with the Paralympian community. Gold Coast wheelchair basketball player Ella Sabeljack was recently selected for the group and she found out while she was in quarantine on her way home from Tokyo for her first Paralympic Games. It's another advocacy role for Ella as well as being on the International Wheelchair Basketball Federation's Athlete Steering Committee. They're roles Ella has taken because she wants to make sure the voices of people with disability are always part of the conversation. I think growing up, with a, having a disability and sort of having people speak for me when I was younger, I think that was where it started and I could see what, what was happening and there were people on the table making these decisions for me that weren't the right decisions and I guess I could see it from an early age that that wasn't fair and, you know, I had, you know, random medical doctors or whoever it may be saying that I needed this or, you know, you need that and I'm like, well, I don't need that. And so that having that background and then coming into sport, I can see sort of people getting forgotten almost because their voices aren't heard. And I, I just I don't think that's that's very fair. And I'll, I'll always stand up for for what I believe in, and I'll always you know back back my teammates and the everyone behind me. So yeah, it, it's just something that I I'm really passionate in because. Nobody gets left behind and we want to bring everybody up so that we can all be our best and do our best and that means everybody's voice has to be heard. Ella's also a primary school teacher where she's passionate about positive mental health and well-being, and that's something she's bringing to her new role on the Athlete Commission. From an athlete's point of view, I guess we know what all athletes go through and sort of the hardships and you know, the triumphs and celebrations that we all go through. And I think for for me and for our team, which is the Paralympic team, I guess I want everybody to have the tools in their toolkit to be able to succeed on the, on the field or swimming or wherever it is and also off the court as well. So 
um, being able to provide these tools and opportunities for everyone to live a successful life um, in and around sport and also away from sport. To you, how important is the mental health of athletes? It's everything. Like you can be physically strong and prepared, but unless unless our mental game and our preparation, if we haven't worked on that or if we have lacked in some places, we won't be able to perform. So being able to think of an athlete as not just physical, but also mental as well. So we have to be able to practice and do all of the things that we've learned to our brain so that we can perform. So I think, especially in my in my sport, basketball, it's a team sport, so we have to be able to play together. And um, if I'm having an off game, that doesn't just only impact me, it impacts a lot of people around me. So to be able to use everything that I know and learn so I can be my best, so that my team can be the best, I think that, you know, it is so, it's so crucial. You can find out more about Paralympic Australia on their website at paralympicnos.org.au. And for more on Sport Australia's inclusive sport framework, head to sportaus.gov.au and look for Safe and Inclusive Sport. That's sportaus.gov.au. For more sporting goodness, scroll back through the Choice and Control archives. We've met the Ginger Cloud Notified Rugby Program, Para Ice Hockey Queensland, the Accessible Water Sports Club, to name just a few. Have a look and see what else you can find. Thanks for joining us at Choice and Control, a Carers Queensland podcast. For more information about the National Disability Insurance Scheme or Carers Queensland, contact us online at carersqld.com.au. You can call us on 1300 999 636 or head to Facebook and look for Carers Queensland NDIS.